Welcome today to Conversations, stories from the faculty of the Department of Communication Studies at UNLV. And today I'm here with my cohort, co-host, Dave Norris. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. And Dr. Dave, and also we're here with Dr. Craig Hennigan. Hello. Craig is our um, uh, assistant debate coach. Mm -hmm. Although we really have him as our debate coach, we're kind of working that out because he came in here as an assistant debate coach. And then we said, here, here are the keys to the kingdom. Craig, <laughs> see how you can do with it. I'll and, do uh, all the jobs, no so, problem. <laughs> and he has. He's had that great attitude and everything. And Craig just got done running this major high school tournament. Yes. Craig, mm-hmm. what was the most scariest thing about that experience? Oh, wow. There were so many scary things that happened with that experience. Like when you have like 550 people coming in from out of town, uh, from all across the country, like lots of things can go wrong. Um and the first thing was our initial hotel had actually backed out. So that was a big deal. Like right before I was about to leave for Chicago for part of our uh, winter break, I was like, oh, I need a new hotel and I need it now. And luckily, uh, we got that remedied right away. Um, and then, you know, like catering and like uh, dealing with like all the little things that could potentially go wrong. Um, uh, but I had some help. I had help uh, with the outgoing director, uh, Jake Thompson. He had like did a lot of consulting with me and like talked me down off the cliff the night before where I'm <laughs> like, are you sure you just can't be on site the whole time? Like, he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. You'll be fine. Uh, and it was fine. People did leave like very happy uh, with how the tournament uh, operated how everything ran out of time, which is very unusual for debate tournaments, mm-hmm. and lots of compliments on the food, which it should be. It was All, very expensive. always a good thing to yeah. have, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's funny because like yeah, like little things like the food, people remember that when when they're deciding if they want to come back again, um, and so. Yeah, we hit it out of the ballpark uh, for this first time around and definitely learned some things to tweak for the next time around, too. Does it bring back memories? Were you a debater in high school? I was a debater in high school. Um, I was not the best debater in high school. I wasn't bad. Uh, My high school career was characterized of going three wins, two losses at every tournament and not quite getting to the elimination rounds. Every single tournament was like that, just about. Very few did I actually make it to the elimination rounds. But I wasn't really a bad debater, but I wasn't like the best either. But I enjoyed it a lot. You know, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And in fact, uh, when I started taking it a little less seriously, I started like winning a lot more uh, mm. because of the relaxation that came in where it's like, it doesn't matter if I lose today. Like, just you're enjoying the activity and that's, that's what matters. Boy, that sounds like a really important... Uh, kind of turning point for you it was it was because like i had uh i mean i had some health issues in high school uh and the doctor was straight up like you're taking debate so seriously that you're getting sick right before every debate tournament for a reason right and uh so yeah he was like you probably have the beginnings of an ulcer so you need to relax Mm -hmm. um and i did and it's just been great like ever since because it's um the teams that I work with now, they're like, oh, you don't really get mad at us when we lose. I'm like, oh, it doesn't, you had coaches that did? They're like, yeah. I'm like, no, that's not how we're going to operate. I'll get mad at you if you didn't like 
try your best, right? But I'm not going to get mad at you if you lose. Well, that's great. So did you kind of feel an inkling at that time that, you know, hey, I, I love debate, but I more love the idea of helping others with debate mm-hmm. uh, more than pursuing my own career with debate? Um, or, you know, when was that mm-hmm. kind of, we kind of look for the person that kind of, the coaching philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when did the, the coach emerge out of there? Yeah. Um, when I was coaching at a high school, at West Bloomfield High School, uh, we won the state championship. And it was the first time for that school. And it was also the first time that I had students that were, that started as freshmen and like ended as seniors. And that was the team that went all the way. And that was like a big deal. It was a big accomplishment for me. I really enjoyed it. And like we had, I had a photo series of myself and my day with the trophy and everything, like a Stanley Cup type of thing. Um, And so that was fun and I was into it, but that still wasn't my career path. Um, So it was just something that like I enjoyed doing as a side gig. I had lots of different career paths, but like throughout all of them, I realized later on, like I'm still coaching and teaching debate. I'm still enjoying judging debate. Like, why is that not my career path? And I walked into the office of George Ziegelmuller at Wayne State, who uh, the National Coach of the Year Award is named after. Um, He just died a couple of years ago, actually. Um, But uh, walked in and said like, I would like to, be a debate coach and like like teach and debate at the college level. And he says, I would hire you right now. I'm like, well, I don't have a master's degree. He's like, well, I guess you know what you have to do. And yeah, a f- couple of years later, I signed up for grad school. And that's that was the direction that I was going into. Mm-hmm. Did you know from the time you were in high school and giving yourself ulcers or almost giving yourself an ulcer that this was one of the paths that you may want to go down? Or did that evolve as you grew and kind of you went through mm-hmm. your collegiate experience? I'd be very curious because, as you mentioned, you've had a variety of career paths. But mm-hmm. kind of the, what, what seems to draw you back is that debate and kind of being involved in the team in one way, shape or form. Yeah, debate, like, kind of, like, people who have been involved in debate, who have, like, been competitive and and doing it for a long time will tell you that, like, it's, it has an addictive property, that, like, you don't know what your life looks like without it, right? Or, like, if, I know that, like, if I had decided I don't really want to do debate anymore, I would still be keeping up with what other people are doing that are in it, because there's so many people in that friend group, and I would miss it like tremendously. So um, while like in high school, it was like, no, this is an avenue to learn more about like uh, the state, learn more about politics and things like that, because I wanted to be president, right? (laughs) Um, I went to college for political science uh, in my undergrad, Uh, didn't do comm until later, learned much later. There was way more to learn about politics and comm for me than there was uh, with what I was learning in political science. So that it was a good mix, right? But um, uh, yeah, I was using debate as an avenue to other careers and not thinking of it as a career itself. Um, uh, because yeah, I wasn't sure that I wanted to go to grad school. I didn't start grad school until nine years after my uh, undergrad was completed. So what did you do in between that time? Uh, waited tables, um, worked at a casino, uh, a Native American casino in, uh, in Michigan, um, worked as an admissions slash salesperson for the University of Phoenix for a hot second. 
Um, uh, yeah, I had a, a few different things I wanted to do. I worked for a lobbyist, as a matter of fact, in Florida. That was one of my first like real, this is going to be my career type of things. I, I was living in Tallahassee, worked for a lobbyist who had a variety of clients. Uh, they're like, well, was he a Republican or Democrat? It's like, yes. Uh, he's had everything from police unions to tow truck unions to cities uh, that he would lobby for to the nudist colonies in Florida, <laughs> right? So learned a lot about like the b backstage workings of government, what lobbyists actually do, like what, how, how much of it is like actually quite boring and not as dirty and dramatic as people think. Um, so did that, uh, did the casino thing, thought I wanted to be in casino management, um, uh, then decided against it. Uh, actually, on my first trip to Vegas, I decided I was that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, nothing against it at all. It was just like what, living out here. It would it would have been like being at work all day and all night. You know, it's just mm -hmm. always there. Um, but yeah, uh, a few different things I was doing, uh, like doing the sales thing was. Uh, I thought that was going to be an avenue, right? Public speaking, persuasion, debate seems like a natural fit for sales. Um, for University of Phoenix, like it was working for a while, but then I just didn't believe in the product anymore. Um, but yeah, uh, so it wasn't until much, much later that I'm like, that I was again waiting tables. I wanted to be a sommelier at that point. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of things uh, in between uh, that I was thinking was going to be it until I realized like I've always done this speech and debate thing no matter what other career path I was doing. And so that was the calling. Mm -hmm. So when you decide, and were you in Tallahassee when you decided to go back to school? No, that was when I was uh, back in Michigan. After Tallahassee, I lived in Atlanta for a second. Um, and then I kind of like, you know, had a fall on my face moment, right? Amassed a bunch of debt, um, came back home to the Detroit area, uh, had a former friend in the debate community gave me a job waiting tables. Um, then I, that's where I started to learn more about food and drink and wine and things like that. Started working different fine dining jobs, um, enjoying waiting on celebrities and things like that. And then, uh, but then I had one person who was in grad school for English at Wayne State University who was waiting tables with me. And she was a big influence to be like, you should go back and do this. You should go back. Cause like you do love debate. You are coaching still like why? are you wasting your time at this restaurant? And I'm like, well, there's nothing wrong with this restaurant. She's like, yeah, but you could do more than this. So it actually was a decade past mm -hmm. after having that meeting with uh, the grand debater, uh, debate coach, You it took a decade before you returned well, to the classroom. I, I might have the timeline a little bit messed up. Uh, it was probably about two years after that, uh, that oh, okay. meeting. That was after I came back to Detroit and everything like that. Ah, I see, so, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So then you got your master's at Wayne State. Yep. And, and your PhD. Also at Wayne State. Uh, I was going to apply elsewhere because uh, it's usually good to get a broader mix, but they had offered me a teaching assistantship during my master's program. So it wasn't just that I wasn't paying for the tuition of the PhD. It was also like half of my master's was covered too. And so it was like, plus like Detroit was home. Yeah. So that makes a big difference, especially since my dissertation research ended up being about Detroit. So it was like convenient to like stay there as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Tell us a little bit about the transition to becoming a coach. So while you were working some of these other careers, either waiting tables or Mm -hmm. selling for a for-profit, not to be named, higher education institution. Mm-hmm. Um, were you still involved with debate at that point? Were you teaching high school? Were you were you volunteering? Yes. Like, how did, how did that come about? I mean, it seems like, and I, and I hate to kind of belabor this point, but it's like, this is an anchor in your life to, mm-hmm. in, in a way. And and did you look at it as anything more than, you know, I'm this is something that I like and it's a way that I can give back? Or did you kind of always have in the back of your mind somewhere that, I'm just not done with this. I'm just really curious. I might call it more of a magnet. Mm-hmm. All right, then an anchor. There we go, magnet. That sounds much better, Kevin. Um, a, a big part of it is like competitive, competitive spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, but it's a lot more fun when you win, right? <laughs> um, and like I enjoy that, right? I enjoy also like when you have like newer debaters and you see them get it, right? When you like explain to them a strategy that you want them to use in a round and they use it and they're like, oh my God, this worked, mm-hmm. right? And it's like that that feeling where it's like, yeah, like um, I, I can't be in the debate round anymore, but I can help you to like get to that next level, to levels that I wasn't able to get to, um, at least in the high school level. Um, like that's a big deal. That that that's important to me because like it, it it allows me to like still be a part of the competition, right? And so that competitive spirit like is is a driver. Mm-hmm. One of the things you got to know about Craig, if you go in his office, there's all this sports memorabilia. It's true. Craig, how did that happen? You know, I you and I have talked about this before, and I I find it fascinating, especially baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I am drinking out of my Miguel Cabrera uh, <laughs> bottle right now. Um, I mean, to grow up, grow up in Detroit, the Detroit Tigers, you know, you know, that was probably huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I was a kid during the last World Series in 1984, uh, where we actually won. Last Jack World. Morris. Uh, Jack Morris, Alan splits. Trammell, Lou yeah. Whitaker, right? Daryl Evans over at first base, and or Dave Bergman, Daryl Evans, like DHing maybe. Um, Larry Herndon, Chet Levin. Um, I'm trying to think of like who the right fielder was. I'm not sure right now, um, but yeah, um, yeah, that was the generation. Um, and then we had the Pudge Rodriguez, uh, Maglio Ordonez generation, like where I really got back. I, I was still into the Tigers before then, but like really got back into it. My my dad raised me on Red Wings. He was a big hockey guy. So Red Wings and Tigers was basically my household. You know, um, that's just a big part of like, uh, I guess a big part of like Detroit sports identity, right? You like latch onto your teams and you stick with them and everything like that. Although being here, like uh, everyone in the hallways definitely convinced me to be a Golden Knights fan. And this year might be a better might be a better option, right? <laughs> so we've talked about your kind of inert mm-hmm. sense of competition. And we've talked a little bit about how growing up in Detroit, you felt both the jubilation and the despair mm-hmm. <laughs> of being yes. a Detroit sports fan. What are some folks who maybe have never had you in class or never had you as a coach? What are some things that folks might be surprised to learn about you? Um, in 
like in regard to the class or anything i think i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna open this up for anything because we'll get to class in a a minute but now it's just kind of about you craig and Mm -hmm. it could be about how you grew up or kind of what you like or i mean i find it fascinating that you wanted to be a sommelier at one point so Mm -hmm. it probably means you know you learned a lot about wine Mm -hmm. but like why do you think some folks would just be surprised to know or to learn about you in in the sense where it's just like okay i'm reading a book by its cover or judging a book by its cover over here and this just came right out of left field to use a baseball term i mean uh i guess like some people are surprised that like i used to be and i'm trying to get back into like doing triathlon um uh so yeah i love running uh and like i need to get back into doing some more now that winter's like clearing up Mm -hmm. Uh, I love cycling, uh, and I need to get doing that some more. Um, but yeah, I, I really want to like do another triathlon uh, out here. I hear there's one that's going to use the UNLV pool or something like that. It's like the swim park. So I'm like, how are you going to do a triathlon in the desert? Um, so I'm going to look into that and like try and get back into that. I really want to get three triathlons in in one season because that puts you on the national rankings. Not that I would be any good, right? But just I just want to see my name on it, right? There you go. We yeah. get back to that internal competition over yeah. there. I love <laughs> yeah. it. I love Only it. competing against myself, mm-hmm. definitely, right? I mean, you don't go into like golf or triathlon trying to beat the other person. You just try and play against yourself. Mm-hmm. So how does this competitor then kind of transition to the classroom? Tell us about your teaching. Yeah, it's very different in the classroom. In the classroom, like when we have debates, like we have our fun balloon debates where the class will will vote who wins and loses. And that's like there are four people that in a hot air balloon, like celebrities or something like that, and you're each person has to defend someone. They'll they'll vote on a winner and loser on that, right? As they're all systematically thrown out of the balloon <laughs> to their deaths. Um, <laughs> But for our like actual like debates about policy at the end, we don't designate wins and losses um, because like I'm not trying to create friction in the classroom. Right. And also like everyone has the opportunity to improve upon things. Right. So like uh, evaluating for a winner and loser, like in a class situation, like I, I I don't see like the point of that because it's not going to affect their grade that much. Like, a lot of times the students are like, but I want to know if I won. I'm like, well, what? What does it matter? Like, don't you want your grade instead? Like, that's probably the thing that you're more concerned about, right? Let's talk about like what you did really well. Let's talk about the things that you can do in your second debate that you can knock it out of the park for next time too. So for in the classroom, like I'm pretty like cognizant, I'm pretty cognizant of like what could potentially uh, lead things down a bad path, right? And so, if the if the people are really hung up on winning and losing, I'm just like, uh, okay, you all lose, right? <laughs> it's practice. Like that's how it is on my teams. In a practice debate, we don't designate winners or losers on the team either because we don't try and create that extra friction or anything like that. We just talk about what we can do to get better for next time. Mm-hmm. What elements of being a coach do you find really help you as a teacher? And what elements of being a coach might not be the help, most helpful as a teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm just really curious because you bring, so many things are connected, but then there are some very distinct differences. Uh, being at UNLV in particular, uh, there's a, a big uh, element where I have to be coaching a lot of people who don't have a lot of debate experience. There's not a ton of uh, 
certain styles of debate in Southern Nevada. So being a coach of novice debaters like translates directly to the classroom because most people in the classroom have never seen a debate in their life either, right? And so we teach like a couple of different styles of debate so that we're like promoting the critical thinking that they really, really need um, while also uh, promoting a lot of like, how do we structure things? Because right? a lot of people have good arguments, they have good ideas, but they don't know how to structure it into a way to where um, you, it's an effective argument, right? And so that's a, a coaching helps to do that because in the debate community, when we're coaching debates, it's all about structure, right? You have to have a particular format and way that you're doing things in order for people to understand and score it, right? And so that helps to translate that structure into the classroom too. Because if they can like argue with, with structure, then later on when they're having more informal debates, they can at least remember how things are supposed to be ordered. And also like notice when other people are leaving parts out, right? Uh, where you're like, hey, like, I don't think that you mentioned like why this wouldn't already happen, right? Why this doesn't happen in the status quo or something, right? And notice like the, uh, weaknesses and errors in other people's arguments more easily because they have that training. Hmm. So I have a very, um, it's a hard hitting question over here. Mm -hmm. What do you feel about Detroit style pizza? I think it's great. I'll tell you what, like I, I'm not a hater though. I'm not all like, oh, New York is bad or anything. I think I even like Chicago style like a lot. <laughs> um, I, I do, I, I think it's funny cause like, 10 years ago, no one would even call it Detroit style pizza, right? They were just like, that's Buddy's pizza or like it's, it's square pizza is how we would say it at home. And then people are like, oh, it's Detroit style pizza. I'm like, oh, we're a thing now. Okay, interesting. Uh, the only one that I would hate on is St. Louis style. So like all, all having lived in Missouri as well, I'm a lot, people loved Emo's pizza in St. Louis. Not so much, not so good, <laughs> not so good. Um, you know, going back to your Detroit childhood, tell us about growing up, your family and everything. Tell us sure. a little bit about that. Yeah, um, uh, I have a very like, uh, like my, my, I have a dad and mom who divorced when I was five. So I have a stepmom and a stepdad, right? And like two stepsisters and a half brother and a full brother. Um, and so uh, it was probably the most amicable divorce of all time. We s literally switched houses every two weeks. They lived less than a mile apart from each other. Wow. Uh, so I was in the suburbs of Detroit growing up, and then uh, later on in grad school, I lived in the city proper. Um, had a good good childhood, good schools, right? Uh, I had a very lucky and privileged like upbringing. Uh, today I have a partner in town, uh, and she has two daughters, um, and I have two dogs, and I'm living out in Henderson and enjoying it, uh, and. Might have to like find a more permanent residence sometime in the future, but we'll see. You know, we gotta yeah. we gotta like see what's out there and everything else. Mm -hmm. What do you do for fun? It's the weekend. You're kicking back. What do you like? I like to drink. No, <laughs> I I do enjoy to go I, I enjoy golfing. Although I haven't been able to get out yet. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I like to cycle. Uh, my partner she loves hiking, so we go hiking a lot. Uh, hiking's nice because it's cheap. <laughs> it's one of the few things that you can do for nothing in this town, right? 
Uh, and there's a lot of really great places to hike to. Um, like just scenes that I'm not used to. Like being a Midwesterner, like the idea of scrambling over a boulder, we're like, what? What is this? Like, so like that's exciting to me. I'm like, this is just really weird. Other people were say, so excited for snow last week when we got snow. I'm like, this is not exciting to me at all. <laughs> but when we see our first, when I see my first dust storm, I'm going to be like, wow, this is really cool. While everyone else is saying this is horrible. <laughs> well, you know, what's been the fun things you've done here? Have you gone out to Valley of Fire and... Uh, my like partner that. did. I did not. I we would we did go and uh, hike uh, out at Red Rock. Oh, there you uh, go. That was good. Um, I'm going to Omega Mart on Thursday, actually. So I guess that's a thing. Uh, and I might go and see a show. I have a friend coming in from out of town, so they want to like go and do all these things. Um, I might go and see a show as well, like uh, one of the Mentalists or something like that. Um, so do those like traditional like Vegasy things. Right. Um, play tourist for a few days. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I mean like I've got lots of opportunities to play tourist. I might as well, right? Because um, like I'm gonna always have. I'm sure there's always going to be a family member or someone from out of town who's all like, "Hey, I'm coming to Vegas. What are you doing?" Right. And, like, right. Yeah. I well, presume that's something that happens. Here. It happens all the time. Facts mm -hmm. <laughs> happens more now. You know. <laughs> here than probably just about any other place you've it, ever lived. It shouldn't be what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's what company comes around stays in Vegas <laughs> at your house. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's exactly what's happening. Yes. So, 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 Craig, is there a question we should have asked you that we haven't? Uh, something that we should have asked you about that, that really reveals who Craig Hennigan is? You know what? I'm gonna like I'm gonna plug something here, right? We're holding a debater of the year tournament for comm students, right? Um, and we're giving away five hundred dollars, and we are doing a more accessible form of debate that's going to be uh, like relatively easy to get into, very easy to get into, and we want to do this for the comm department. We want to like provide a service to the comm department through the debate team. And we, we, we are, we've got at least four comm students in, involved, right? So I, I take four more, definitely. Um, if they want to have a shot at winning a $500, that's great. But also like you get to have a good time and like enjoy like learning about how to like formulate uh, arguments and do some debates in a very low pressure, uh, low pressure type of way. And we're very proud of what we're doing with that right now. And so that's what our main focus is right now. That's awesome. Well, Craig, thanks for the time. Mm -hmm. We appreciate having you with us. Yeah, thank thanks you. a lot. I appreciate the opportunity.